What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Hoopball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoopball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoopball Clips and follow me at BD Marcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Well, Lakers basketball is officially back, and we could not be happier about it. JC, Lakers are about to come back on the TV. How you feeling about it, sir? Feeling really good. Today, uh, didn't watch the Lakers, but I did watch uh, Clippers, Magic, uh, Nuggets, Wizards. I was watching a little bit of the Heat. Uh, I forgot who the Heat are playing just now. But, uh, yeah, I watched live NBA basketball today for the first time, and it was it was great. It almost feels like summer league, but just with the best players on the planet. So that's the best part about it. Welcome in. Welcome back to the Hoopball Lakers podcast. Of course, JC and Ethan here with you as usual. You can find our show on Twitter, at Hoopball Lakers, part of the at Hoopball Tweets family. And you can follow us on Twitter, JC, at JCDeLeon1, and me, at Ethan underscore Noroff, N-O-R-O-F. JC, I cannot believe that there is basketball on the TV that is not an archived recording from 1993. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not one to watch those historic games too much. I might peek in here and there. But my thing is, man, once you've experienced something, once you've seen it, it's really hard to have that same, at least for me, it's hard to have that same anticipation, that same juice, that same adrenaline running through your system when you already know what's going to happen. I'm the same way. Some of my friends that, that don't really like sports, they, they get surprised when they hear me say that I don't, I won't watch a game once I've, if I missed it and once I know the score, I'll, I'll look at the stats, I'll look at the highlights, but I won't like sit down and watch the whole thing. That's surprising to some of them but yeah i'm the same way yeah it's not really so much for me i'd rather watch other stuff but soon enough and really soon enough because it's here we don't have to do that anymore we got basketball back on the tv right before we came on the air and we started recording you had a great phrase and i'm gonna take it and give you credit you said i want to talk about observations in the bubble thoughts in the bubble i love it and right now the nba bubble is looking pretty strong given the latest test uh, test results release, that zero of, I believe it was 346, or right around that number, total players, 
had tested positive uh, upon that round of testing. So that's certainly encouraging. You've got a lot of key players back in camp with their teams who may have been diagnosed before but have thankfully since recovered. How do you feel about this bubble? Do you, do you feel like this is going to work or do you feel like this is set up for some sort of disaster like others feel? I, I think it is going to work uh, just because the data on wearing masks alone is, and I wish more of the country would, would wear the masks, but yeah, the data on just wearing the masks alone is it, it reduces your, your chances of catching COVID so much, whether it's a simple cloth mask or an actual like N97, 95 official like face mask, medical face mask. So yeah, I think if they monitor the ins and outs uh, correctly and the players sort of, you know, follow the directions and things like that. I don't see any reason why this wouldn't work. You mean you can't be having Instagram models showing off their DMs talking about how they've already been invited to the bubble like we've seen? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, look, that's the reality of it. That, you know, that you're always going to try to have people and or uh, situations that try to poke the bubble and infiltrate the bubble. But so far, as usual, the NBA, and this is, you know, I think we've talked about this before, one of the reasons I like rooting for the NBA and you know watching the sports so much is I really feel like they are a thought leader in the professional sports field when it comes to showing how to lead and having the capacity to lead and really thinking through every scenario as best as they can. So I give credit to the NBA. So far, it's been a successful setup. And you know, to my, I guess not surprise, the, o- the only team that's really got decimated is the I was going to say the New Jersey Nets, but that day, the Brooklyn Nets, because they look like a training camp team out there. And obviously the Washington Wizards without Bradley Beal, you know, it sounded like he was going to opt out anyway, but then he had the shoulder injury. So I don't think those two teams are going to go very far, very quickly. No, not at all. But unlike those two teams, JC, the Lakers are set up to be what looks like a successful road ahead despite the fact that the team is not going to have Rajon Rondo, despite the fact that the team is not going to have Avery Bradley. Well, although Rondo could come back in the, uh, I believe they were talking about maybe the second round of the postseason. That seems a little advantageous for me. I always feel like it's a little bit longer, but we shall see. But in the immediate future, you're not going to have Rondo. Avery Bradley obviously will not play for the remainder of the season. So I feel like the Lakers at this point, they've had no major changes to their team all season long. They should be pretty set up for success despite still needing to integrate some of those new parts Markeith Moore is still a new part although he's been around for several months now and obviously with Dion Waiters and officially J.R. Henny Smith mm-hmm. yeah from from what I've seen in I've watched a lot of players Instagram videos and, and vlogs and things like that and JaVale McGee's got a pretty good one that he posts almost daily uh, yeah J.R. and Dion seem to be fitting themselves into the team pretty well I know Dion has sort of had, I don't know, I don't know if he personally had issues with like playing with LeBron in Cleveland, but I know since then Dion's kind of been humbled a little bit, and so he can't kind of have that same attitude where he's thinking he's the same type of scorer or shooter he was when he, he thought he was when he was in Cleveland, and so I think he'll he'll fall in line a little bit more. And uh, I've always said I believe in in the influence of of LeBron James and how positively he can impact guys like J.R. Smith, and and Dion's another one of those guys. Oh, no, of course, the LeBron factor is huge, and I don't think you know either of those guys, and certainly not both, would be in Lakers purple and gold if it weren't for LeBron's presence on the roster. 
But at the same time, I think what you said has value in terms of Dion and JR needing to fulfill very certain roles because if they come in and they try to be those gunners that they might have played in the past, of course, Dion more recently than JR, then what's going to happen is they're going to find themselves sitting on the bench and guys like Alex Caruso, Danny Green, and KCP are going to be playing a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm still of the mindset, personally, that while Dion very well may move into the rotation, I still feel like J.R. Smith is more of an insurance policy at this point, just because despite not having Avery Bradley and Rondo available, you still have those three guys that I just talked about ahead of those. You still have Kuzma. you got to get him minutes. You still have Markeith Morris. Those are guys who should probably be playing over those two. So I'd be curious on your take on that. Do you think it's Dion who slides into the rotation, or do you think it's J.R.? And do you think there's room for both of these guys to be in the rotation on a, on a regular basis? I don't, I don't know about regular basis, but like I wouldn't be surprised if, even though he's the last signee, if JR does get more minutes than Dion, because I think he brings a lot more to the table defensively than, than Dion might. I'm curious to see it, because the last time JR Smith played in an NBA game was almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm not saying it's impossible, I just feel like that's a long time to have that that sort of layoff and come in and be an instant impact player because especially on this team as we were talking about before we got started these games that the, that the squad has ahead of them not including the scrimmage games which kick off on uh, on Thursday but when you look at the rest of the regular season for the Lakers it's the Clippers it's the Raptors it's the Jazz it's the Thunder it's the Rockets it's the Pacers it's the Nuggets and then it's the Kings if you want to call that a let up game so for me while some other teams maybe thinking about this opportunity as a way to get sort of a a tune-up or maybe even get some of their other players involved before the postseason begins. I know that uh, the Bucs were a team that were kind of discussing how they were going to utilize this portion of the schedule. I think the Lakers got to come out with sort of, you know, pedal to the metal in order to prepare for a a deep postseason run. Obviously, this team wants to go to the finals, right? Yeah, it's... I don't know if anyone truly knows what the Lakers' plan is going to be as far as the rotation because I did watch one video that speculated that now might be a good time to see how kind of the three young guys, uh, Kaycock, Antetokounmpo, and Horton Tucker, would kind of fit into the rotation, if at all. And, yeah, I don't know if now's the time to try to fit those guys in when you've got veterans like Dion and JR and Markeith who still kind of need to be, you know, implemented. When the Lakers have had really good or great teams, and, and they're not, you know, unique in this particular sense, but when they've had these really good or great teams, it makes that player development sheet piece much more of a challenge. Now, obviously, uh, the development of the G League, and you see that with a guy like Alex Caruso, obviously, amongst many other, not to mention Kaycock and Antetokounmpo, right? There is a support in place that didn't exist, you know, during the days of, of Shaq and Kobe run, running around, right? But at the same time, it's very hard to get these moments for these young players because while not all of them are deer in the headlights necessarily, but a lot of them, when they do get that opportunity on this level, they're playing tentatively. They're not necessarily playing freely because every time they make a mistake, and they will come, they're young players, right? Everybody makes mistakes anyway. But when they make a mistake, they're looking over their shoulder about, oh, man, am I going to get pulled off the floor? That's not the same worry a veteran player or a star player has, and that's not a worry that – jr or dion are going to have just by nature because that's sort of how they've always played Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely 
And I think that's that's one of the things the Lakers, you know, they're going to be continue to be considerate of. But I'm, I'm curious what they can do. I mean, Kaycock is, is in particular is a prospect who really interests me. And Taylor Horton Tucker, I mean, from what I can tell, you know, Instagram observer as, as all of us are, right? He seems to have really worked on his body quite a bit as well since his initial drafting. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I know Javale's kind of sort of been mentioned how much time he's spending around Costas under the Kumpo, and so yeah, they're definitely trying to develop all these guys into uh, into some kind of regular rotation players. Yeah, I'm not sure if it comes this season just because of what's on the line, but I do think you know they're they're interesting pieces, if nothing less, uh, moving forward in terms of potential rotation pieces. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes, and you know I think that the Lakers have to be happy too. And, you know, I think this is perfect because we were just talking about JaVale. I think the Lakers have to be happy that Dwight Howard decided to play. Yeah, absolutely. He, uh, he's, he's, yeah, his messages and Instagram and everything has been positive. And, and I've sort of liked the, I mean, the energy he's bringing and, and his motivation has been there all season. It seems like it's still, it's still there. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. Yeah, definitely. I think Dwight, you know, Dwight's been very active on Instagram, not only sharing, uh, education about the past in terms of you know really aligning with the Black Lives Matter movement. So it's been nice to see that level of sincerity and you know commitment to education on his behalf and using his platform to spread that awareness. But additionally, he's been very active on Instagram Live. In fact, he's even had sessions where he's brought fans uh, onto video, you know, to kind of not show them the bubble, but because we can all see that on the other side of his phone. But in order to interact with them, and you know, I think it's good for these guys too. It gives them sort of in a weird way, right, this unprecedented level of access to the fan base, despite not being able to connect in person, they now have the opportunity, should they desire to do so, to really interact with fans in such a way that, you know, may not happen during a quote-unquote regular season just because you get caught up in such the, you know, grind of everything. So I think that could be one potential positive that comes from all this. And, you know, I think we all look for those things in this challenging climate right it's yeah it's one of my biggest it's one of my biggest observations of the nba bubble as a whole like i've been obsessed with the nba twitter life uh nba bubble life twitter account but even today after watching the games uh, they hadn't really the nba hadn't really showed off the arena design up until today when they sort of unveiled it and it everything seems to be revolved around the comfort of the players like there's so much space on the sidelines and on the baselines to roam there's no there's no people there. There's no photographers there. It seems all about the player safety. The bench area is is nice and wide. They've got enough room. To, it, it looks similar to a, to like a hockey rink where the bench areas are sort of separate from from everything else, and the players are spread out. Um, and yeah, I just and players are revealing a lot more of their personalities, whether it be like on Instagram or streaming Call of Duty on Twitch. Uh, Drew, I think it was Drew Holiday that mentioned. Um, it is a little unfortunate we haven't seen LeBron uh, IG live too much because I think a lot of people are curious about like what his room looks like and what he's been doing. But I think Drew Holiday mentioned well how he he was somewhere and he was in the same room as LeBron and he sort of made main mention how comfortable LeBron seemed and he was like he probably hasn't been that comfortable since the ninth grade. Like there's no fans that are going to come up and bother him. He doesn't have to like put on an act. He's around other basketball players. Like he can just be himself in this bubble, and that's, you know, that's a really interesting thought. Yeah, because it's a very freeing one, despite being in a contained environment, right? 
And so I think that's really a pertinent thing to bring up. And I think a lot of players, you know, might not, you know, they obviously don't um, subject themselves to the level of scrutiny or following that LeBron does just because he's obviously a global brand and icon. But on top of that, you know, a lot of these players, they do have uh, microphones in their face. They do have, you know, sort of these challenges on a day-to-day basis where they can't go out in public. And a lot of these guys, I mean, let's say for what it is, they're, they're tall, right? So if you're six foot eight, you're going to kind of uh, attract attention or eyes in general just because you're a lot taller than everybody else. One of my best friends is six foot seven. Every time we walk in together, you know, it's like little and big. So <laughs> obviously everybody stares, right? I mean, he's got like a foot on me. So I think that for a lot of these guys to be on, you know, quote unquote, equal footing in terms of uh, they don't have to deal with that inside this environment. I do think there's a freeing nature to that and, and connected to that. Right. We've seen some of these funny or uh, alcohol based, I should say, really more more specifically videos emerge from the bubble, whether it's J.J. Reddick, you know, in a little kiddie pool or Myers Leonard shotgunning a beer and calling himself the champ or. You know, even Josh Hart chugging wine straight out the bottle. And so, you know, I don't know what else you might have seen. But (laughs) for me, I feel like, you know, it also helps fans in in a weird way connect with uh, connect with these guys to know, oh, man, you know, they're they're more similar to us than we think sometimes. Yeah, like I've I've enjoyed watching those videos. I've enjoyed watching the guys uh, like go fishing. That's been fun. Yeah. Uh, Tobias Harris has a funny like video series where he goes and like tries to spy on on Boban and Luca because he's he's I guess he's he's bummed that they're not teammates anymore. Oh and, yeah, uh, he's best friends with Boban. Yeah, and he yeah he sort of like spies on Boban and Luca and he's like look at him look at him with his new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, and I think stuff like that you know gives fans and everybody a window into the quote-unquote personal lives of these guys that we wouldn't necessarily see because of other uh, commitments, constraints, et cetera, et cetera, in the normal setting. And so, you know, my question at this point is just going to be, when are we going to see J.R. Smith pull out the bottle of Henny on Instagram Live? But, you know, if the Lakers (laughs) win the championship, I think everybody lets us slide, even though we call it a mistake. And you know what, J.C., thinking about mistakes, all right, I have a whole setup at home, right? When it comes to my bathroom, I'll take a lot of pride in this. And as a man who likes to shave his head, right, it's important for me to have a good pair of clippers. But, you know, I also have to have a second pair of clippers because you got to make sure everything is trimmed tight and ready to go. However, this one time I forgot that I put my trimmers for the other part of my body into the space where I normally keep my head trimmers. And I was about halfway through my haircut when I realized what I was doing. And it was a nightmare because not only did it leave some, you know, stuff that I didn't want to deal with, but just the psychological thought of it was too much for me to handle. <laughs> and I realized, man, this is kind of rough on my head. Like, why am I using this on my junk? So that's when I started reading about what to use and how to use it. And that's where we come together. And that's why for me, it's all about Manscaped now, because Manscaped has this redesign the electric trimmer, man. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. When I tell you the lawnmower, I know it sounds a little overwhelming, but it's not, okay? This is a machine. It's a third generation trimmer that features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce the manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. So when I tell you this is premium, I mean it's premium, JC. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave or you don't have to worry about charging it. So that's a nice little feature. 
The water-resistant technology allows you to groom, groom yourself in the shower. That's a nice little plus. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. You know the missus is going to love that. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, so it can be a secret. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. And if you are listening to me speak the holy word right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. And you know how you do that? You get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. JC, this trimmer will change your life. Yep, I believe it. <laughs> you know? And so if you can't believe me in that enthusiastic read, I felt like I was leading a sermon right there. <laughs> you guys got to go check it out, man. It's good stuff. It'll leave your junk feeling smooth, all that good stuff. So manscaped.com, use the code HOOPBALL20. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's the code HOOPBALL20, all capitals on HOOPBALL. So good stuff there. And I feel like, you know, as the Lakers and the rest of the NBA are getting their uh, real-life 2K barbershop popped up in the bubble, I do feel like some of them are going to want to take advantage of that offer themselves, JC, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the Lakers got uh, the Lakers and the rest of the league got the best of the best, and I'd be curious to see how it continues to go in the bubble. But like we've been talking about, I think it provides a certain level of levity to these guys, and I also think it provides a certain level of, you know, just opportunity for them to kind of kick back and sit back and, and be by themselves. I thought that was a really salient point. Okay, JC, I'm going to get on my Caruso uh, stool here for just a second. <laughs> Obviously, we talked about Rondo being out. We, took, we talked about Deion Waiters coming in, J.R. Smith coming in. KCP is still around. He's having a good year. Danny Green, obviously, was signed to play a key role. But for me, man, especially with Rondo out now, there is really no excuse for Alex Russo not to play 25 to 28 minutes a game. Am I crazy? No, not at all. I think uh, everyone's well-rested. I think, I think everyone's sort of getting acclimated to to possibly playing more minutes. Uh, and if you believe some of the rumors on the internet, LeBron was kind of holding secret practices with the whole team. And so I think they've got a little bit uh, more of an edge on some than some other teams might have because I think they've been playing together a little bit longer. So, you know, yeah. You know what one of the most impressive things is about LeBron is for the level of stature of celebrity that he is, he manages to keep his personal life extraordinarily personal. And yeah. I think that's a credit to him. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's not alone in that effort in terms of securing the privacy and all of that. But I think that's a really important credit to him because it, it allows him to live not necessarily freely, but in a way that empowers him in the way that he wants to live. And I think that's important for any of these guys who live their lives on a public stage for a lot of us. Yeah, like I, I think about him and sort of a, s a similar meteoric rise in like Steph Curry. And even, like, in his wife, Aisha Curry, how, like, she, people sort of observed how, how nice of a relationship they had. And she she had some, you know, social skills in, in cooking and things like that. And so she kind of took it upon herself to sort of become a celebrity herself. And, like, yeah, like, we don't, and this is probably to Savannah's doing, but, like, we don't know very much about Savannah James. And, like, LeBron doesn't really show show or tell us too much about her and that's probably the way her and him both want it and they've managed to like keep it that way i mean they've been together since high school man it's it's really an incredible story and that's 
just to, to to touch on this tangent a little bit, this is what bothers me when people say, oh, I hate LeBron. I'm like, what is there to hate about him? He is the best player in basketball and has been for a decade. He is a leading global icon in, in this field of basketball and in the field of fashion and in the field of art and in the field of education. He's opened schools for underprivileged that has a food bank. All the kids get a bicycle. He married his, his, his high school sweetheart. They've got beautiful children together. I mean, everything this guy touches turns to gold, and he is a role model. And people want to sit here and say, eh, he's not for me. I yeah, don't get it's that. yeah the way the way people so easily dismiss him, especially in like the the MJ LeBron debate, and it's like oh at worst at worst he's maybe the second best player of all time if you don't think he's the greatest and like just because he's not the greatest he's trash but he's like number two out of all the players of all time and I mean, and yeah everything he does outside outside the court is is just an amazing he's an amazing person. I mean it's ridiculous, man, and so I give nothing but celebratory congratulations to LeBron. In fact, you know, I can't remember if on the last episode I talked about how I got back into the trading card game at all, but, you know, I'm back into the trading card game. Long story short, I don't know if you saw the LeBron card that sold at auction, the record card. Did you see this? I, yeah, $1.8 million or something like that. $1.8 million. You see LeBron's comment on that post on Instagram? <laughs> no. LeBron goes, guess who's got a couple of those exact cards sitting at home? <laughs> and so this dude, on top of everything else, that's just got a cool, you know, three and a half, four million or so sitting there. It's just amazing to me, man. I mean, it's a credit to him because he's built himself up to be a true brand. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, I don't know if that's the American dream, but for some people that might be a part of it. So nothing but congratulations to him. And before we go even go any further on the LeBron, we love you tangent. Okay. I think that what we should be discussing is the Lakers play an actual game. And although it's not a game that counts right with air quotes around it it is a game that counts because it'll be the first one that they play in what four and a half months something like that so <laughs> from that perspective the lakers have three upcoming scrim uh, scrimmages before the season kicks off once again it's dallas on thursday it's orlando on saturday and it's washington on monday before the season restarts the following uh thursday so jc i know we were talking about before we started here that really of these three scrimmage games, the Mavericks are really the only game you can probably take anything away from just because you're not going to be expecting to play the Magic or the Wizards at any point moving forward. So what are you looking for, if anything, from this Lakers team? And it could be from the first game or, you know, any other, if it's just something team-specific. Yeah, I think I'm looking to see how Frank Vogel is going to use his rotations and, like, when he's going to insert some of the newer pieces. And... And and yeah, like how much, how many minutes Caruso is going to get, or where he's going to get them. Um, I think some of the observations I had from the games today is as to be expected. Like there's a little bit of rust. Um, I don't know how many minutes like LeBron's going to play. Like today, the Clippers played, and Kawhi, he only scored nine points. He played. Pulling up here, how many minutes he played? He played. Uh. I know. Yeah, he played I know 19 Paul. minutes, and yeah. Reggie or Paul George also played about 19 minutes. So, yeah, you're not looking for a lot of minutes from your big like Anthony Davis or LeBron. Uh, but yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of minutes from Kuz, from Caruso. You'll probably see some minutes from from Jr. to see how well or what kind of shape he's in, as well as Dion. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the benefit that Dion has had is that he was with the Lakers just before. Uh, you know, everything hit the fan, so to speak. 
And in fact, one of the last games the Lakers played at Staples Center this year was the game against the Bucks. I think it was the Friday night before the week before uh, the league was postponed indefinitely. And I was actually at that game because my neighbor has been a season ticket holder since the Lakers moved here and he's got 12 season seats. So we'll talk about that a different time. But he took me to the game. And one of the reasons that I went, despite knowing that there was you know, some level of risk, right? I mean, obviously, because you had heard the reports up until this point, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, I don't know when the next time I'm going to get to go to a live sporting event is. And yeah. so, you know, <laughs> I'm going to take this risk right now. Obviously, if you presented me with the same risk, you know, yesterday or today, I'm probably making a different decision, right? I mean, granted, you know, masks have come into play and all that, but I'm probably still making a different decision. So grateful to be able to see that one. But I think for the Lakers, you know, this is going to be a true test of focus, of grit, of balls, of desire. And I think for these newer pieces, you know, they're going to have to really sort of prove to not only themselves, but also to the guys around them that they're united around a common goal and they're not in it for selfish reasons because this team has done a really good job of being selfless for the most part throughout the season prior. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think, you know, like you said, Jr. and Dion can at least in theory, come in and buy into those roles, especially under LeBron's tutelage. And I think the rest of the uh, rotation, most of the guys have been around. Dion has had the benefit of you know, working with Lakers, or I guess under the advisement of Lakers training staff, whereas JR is obviously now just coming into the mix. So I, I do think the Lakers will get some of those newer pieces in there, like you said, just to get a look at them. But I also think that they have to use these scrimmage games to really tune it up before the schedule begins. So... You know, obviously, standing-wise, they're in a, they're in a pretty decent position. But at the same time, you don't want to be going into the postseason riding that negative momentum, especially if you got to play a team like New Orleans, uh, who might be creeping for that eight spot in the first round. Yeah, it's it's a tricky spot that I think a lot of teams are in because yeah, you have to sort of see where your team's at rust-wise, and then you sort of have to see how li- different lineups are gelling. And I think you also have to factor in scouting reports from the season from the season prior to the shutdown might may not even be relevant anymore like denver uh denver today had a healthy bull bull make his debut and they they ran they ran a lineup they uh they ran a lineup where Jokic was a guard uh bull bull was a small forward i forgot who their center was but their they ran a lineup where their shortest player was six five and then there was six seven six eight seven two and seven one uh, and so, like, that's a really tough that lineup to rebound. Yeah. yeah. It's it's funny you brought that up because I was actually going to ask you if there was a lineup, uh, like sort of a lineup combination that you really haven't seen the Lakers utilize this season that you kind of want to see them with get funky before the games start. Because right here written down on my notepad, I have this lineup of LeBron, Kuzma, Markeith, JaVale, and Dwight that I would just love to see because it's so much size. Now, I don't think there's going to be enough spacing on the floor for that to be a reality. But I think that's just a lot of size, and I think it throws teams off when you get, when you say, "Hey, yeah, my point guard is LeBron, and my shooting guard is a six ten Kuzma." So uh, good luck, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think the Lakers are in a position where they can go big, like a team like Denver can. But I don't know if any anyone can go quite as big as Denver went today, especially with Bull Bull playing pretty well. Did Bull did Bull play small forward? Uh, he did. Oh man, I saw that dunk that he had just real quick. That was that was nice. But I he, think you know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting because – did they play Millsap in that lineup or no? Uh, I think they did a little bit. Yeah. Curious, man. That's a tough, that's good, that's a tough team. That's yeah, a tough for squad, sure. man. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lakers are – there's no – you know, like I said, even with the eight spot, there's no easy outs in the West. 
So I think the Lakers really need to prepare themselves, not only uh, mentally, but physically, because I think they're going to get not punked a little bit, but they're going to get pushed around kind of like, you know, like the Pistons that used to try to do the Bulls and did successfully for a period of time. I think the Lakers are going to have some physical style of play, um, even despite the climate of COVID-19, because teams know, look, you're the favorite, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to deal with a lot of teams sort of being extra physical. Uh, yeah, I think that's. I think they'll have to deal with that. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, and, and the more that, you know, Frank Vogel can keep uh, the team together, which is going to be a collective effort, not just from him, but also, you know, from LeBron, Anthony Davis, and the other leaders in the locker room, I think the more credit that, you know, should be probably given to him because, you know, coaches always, the, the life of a coach or a general manager is usually such that if everybody knows your name, something's going wrong. And if nobody knows your name, things are usually going pretty well. Now with the Lakers, that isn't necessarily true because, you know, you're, you are the Lakers. But at the same time, Frank Vogel came into this job because Ty Lue basically didn't want it. And he was the third choice, right? He was the third choice going back to his initial hiring. So, you know, Monty Williams didn't want it. Ty Lue didn't want it. And the Lakers kind of just wound up with Frank Vogel. I'd say so far, so good. Yeah, and... Uh... You know, I think I think the players really respect him. Uh, JaVale posted a blog the other day where he sort of featured uh, Frank Vogel, and so yeah, I think the players are behind uh, Vogel and, and like him. And I think LeBron's even spoken to the fact where he's he's being more patient with coaches and things like that. And so yeah, I think he's sort of embraced uh, what Vogel's bringing to the table. This team has a definite level of maturation to it. They seem to have the intent <clears throat> to focus on a greater goal. And, you know, they obviously have the talent to get it done. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited that Lakers basketball is back. I'm incredibly excited the NBA is back as a whole. And I think this Lakers team, you know, for the first time in a while, we and all Lakers fans, JC, can sit here and say this team has an actual legitimate chance of doing something versus, you know, teams in the past, especially in recent years, where you say, ah, it'll be fun to watch the kids play and then we'll watch somebody else come playoff time. You know, I think if the Lakers fall short of the finals, I think it's considered a disappointment, right? Yeah, I think I think there's realistically three teams that could win it: Milwaukee, the Clippers, and the Lakers. I think the next tier beyond that is you have like your Houston and your Denver. Uh, beyond that, I don't really think there's anyone really. Do you consider the Lakers making the NBA Finals? And we'll kind of finish with this. Do you consider the Lakers making the NBA Finals as a successful season, regardless of the result, or do they need to win the NBA Finals? I think. I think if they make it to the finals and they're playing either Milwaukee or I guess the second best team might be Philadelphia, maybe Boston. I think they match ah, up well. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, I think they match up well with both of those teams. And so I think the challenge is getting to the finals. And once they do, I think they've got a pretty good chance at winning it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that uh, Boston is one of my title favorites, but could you imagine a Lakers Boston title, uh, title round bout? in Orlando, how weird that would be. Yeah. It's strange. Uh, it's one of my other observations in that none of, none of the, everything in the bubble has, it's, it seemed a little strange. Yeah. But nothing has seemed like overtly weird or awkward. I don't think it'll, it'll seem weird or awkward until the championship happens. And like, you're used to celebrating with the big crowd and like hearing all the noise. And it's like, you're just going to see a bunch of dudes on the court celebrating like with themselves and like nobody else around or yep. in the building. So that's going to be a little yep. awkward. I feel like it'll be kind of like a TBT tournament, something like that, or an AAU <laughs> tournament. I don't know. We'll see. 
no fans in the building, but obviously there'll still be noise, and you know, you might even hear a little bit more of the action as a result. So, as a reminder, the Hoopball Lakers podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoopball Lakers. You can follow the whole Hoopball family at Hoopball Tweets. Of course, we have plenty of other team shows from the Grizzlies, Kings, Nets, Rockets, Grizzlies. I said that already, but you name it, we got it. JC, anything else you want to add? Um, nope, not that I can think of. I'm just excited to uh, get back to watching basketball. You follow him on Twitter at JCDeLeon1 for his basketball music. So you can follow me on Twitter for basketball and a whole lot else at Ethan underscore Noroff. Appreciate you guys listening. And the next time we talk to you, we'll have actual games to discuss. <laughs> and until then, we out. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.